Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hey there, I hope you're having a good day. It is Sunday afternoon and I have been to worship my God today. We had a great worship today at the West Huntsville Church. I hope that you all had a great worship too, wherever you're listening, whatever day it might be when you're listening. But I wanted to talk just for a few minutes, just on a very practical basis, you know, just woman to woman about the topic that we've been studying this week. And it is the authority of that God has over our roles in the church, especially in worship as women of God. So what are some uh, reflections personally that you've had this month about this study? I would love to hear those, but I was thinking about this. You know, as we've studied, we've noted over and over and over that what I think about something is really irrelevant. That what I want to do or think might be best for evangelism, or think might be more attractive in our worship to bring in outsiders, or what I think might be more efficient, really doesn't matter if God has spoken on whatever matter it is. Now, some things, as we've studied, God has delegated authority to men to decide. Our elders decide what time we're going to worship. They decide where we're going to worship. They decide who's going to be a the deliverer of the message in our worship. They have the delegated authority to decide some things and some things are left to our own judgments because God's instructed us to do something, but he hasn't given us the specifics of how to do it. And as I think about women in our worship, and particularly I wanted to talk right now about women preachers. You know, our Uh, there are some practical things that will help that we can draw from this study that will help us to understand the why of God restricting women in worship. We don't have to understand the why. We don't have to see any reason connected to what God said. But as I think back about my own life, I can just see some really good practical outcomes from what God has told us to do as women in worship, and that is to be silent. You know, our lesson began this month with a a letter that I had written to a woman in, um, in the Nashville, Tennessee area who had decided to become a preacher, a minister, and she was already, in fact, at a very young age delivering sermons. In our podcast this month, which has already happened, I quoted from another woman who is a pulpit preacher in a church down in the Birmingham, Alabama, who was a pulpit preacher in the Birmingham, Alabama area. I think she's somewhere else now. And you remember I described to you how that someone responded to her sermon, her zipper got stuck as she was trying to baptize this person, and she was actually bragging about this elder who helped her get back down to the rocking chair because her infant baby, her well, I guess an infant is a baby, but her baby was screaming because he was hungry and this elder helped her back to the rocking chair and helped cover up up her wet clothing and her wet body so that she could have her 
privacy back there and nurse her baby who had been screaming during the baptism. I know that that's not word for word, but I think that's a pretty accurate paraphrase of what I shared with you from that book. And as I thought about that, I thought, what would my life be like? Would it be better or would it be worse if God had let me be a preacher? And I know that I wouldn't be a very good preacher. I know that, you know, there are all kinds of things to think about and there are all kinds of scenarios and I can't say for sure what my life would be like. I don't want to be a preacher because God has prohibited me from that and I want to submit to his will in all areas of, of my life. And we read about that in 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Corinthians 14 as we've discussed a lot this month. But I was just thinking personally, that I can, in my own, from my own perspective, see a bunch of reasons why God had the wisdom to not let me be a preacher. And I just want to give you in this segment and in the next segment, some of those reasons and some will seem uh, mundane to you. But as I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, God in my home knew what he was doing. To allow my husband to be the, I consider, great gospel preacher that he is, and to keep me from such a role in a local congregation or in any mixed assembly. Number one, you know, I, I'm just going to be real practical, but our home on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings would have been really, really chaotic if I have been the preacher. I'm just going to say that again. Our Sunday night, Sunday, Saturday night and Sunday mornings would have been really chaotic if I had been the preacher. Because I'm I'm not going to I'm going to say this several times. I'm not going to sacrifice my role as the mother to our children, as the one who gets them ready for worship and makes sure that they have appropriate clothes and make sure that they have um, the the little books about Jesus that they need to look at and the busy books that they need during worship and all of those things. I'm going to do those, those things. I was going to do those things as the mother of young children. And I cannot imagine doing the myriad of breakfast, shoe polishing, teeth brushing, packing the diaper bag, changing the diapers, getting the clothes on, re-getting the clothes on after the dog jumped on them, etc. I can't imagine doing that and then being prepared to get up in the pulpit and talk about God's Word. God knew what He was doing. He was wise in, in His restrictions because He knew we had our more important role was going to be through the evangelistic efforts and the spiritual growth of our children and the influence that they were going to have. Number two, my children would not have learned to behave in worship. That's because God gave my husband a tremendous worship focus, a, a focus that he needs in worship because he is going to climb up in that pulpit and he needs the all of the extra focus talent that God could give him to think about the prayers and to think about the Lord's Supper and to think about all the worship that happens before and after he's in the pulpit. But I'm telling you what, if I was the one who was going to be getting up in that pulpit, 
there wouldn't be anybody left to teach our children how to worship, to make our children be still, to make our children be quiet, to teach our children what kinds of activities were appropriate to keep their focus during worship, to keep, to allow them to uh, know that they were not to whisper to one another and to get up from their seats and run around in the aisle and all of those things as we teach them to be reverent. All those things are so important, but I wouldn't have been doing those if I would have been the preacher in the congregation. You know, God didn't talk about every specific detail of our raising children in worship, but that's why he gave us mamas. That's why Lois and Eunice were the ones who were able to put into Timothy the beliefs that he had and the faith that he had. Do you think they did that by ignoring him during worship while they were getting their thoughts ready to present to a congregation? You see the point. God was wise in giving women, those who have such a great propensity for attention to detail, he gave us the responsibility of putting the gospel, the good news, into the hearts of our children. Number three, I wouldn't have been a very good homekeeper if I'd been the preacher in the church. I'm telling you what, keepers at home is a pretty big word. It's oikuros and it's found in Titus chapter 2. The one time it's found in the New Testament is Titus chapter 2 verses 3 through 5 and I don't have to comment on its meaning. Let me just give it to you. It is a keeper at home, a guide of household affairs, a stayer, S-T-A-Y-E-R at home, a domestic. I'm telling you what, that is a big order and it's sandwiched right in between uh, what Titus is told is sound or healthy doctrine. And then he expounds on that, including that word oikuros. And then he closes that section by saying, you do that so that the word of God will not be blasphemed. It's a pretty important word there in Titus chapter 2. But during my, the time of raising my children, I spoke several times. A lot of times really carry my daughter with me to women's groups and I, I'm gonna be frank with you I wasn't if I had done that every single weekend if I had done that even twice a month while my children were growing up I wouldn't have been a very good oikuros because a lot of things were neglected on that Thursday before I was going to drive out of town with Hannah on Friday to speak at a ladies day on Saturday. I had to really, really limit that to be the kind of keeper at home that I wanted to be. And sometimes I didn't do a very good job of it even at that. But if I had been the preacher in a local congregation, I wouldn't have been a very good keeper at home along with probably some other of those things that are in Titus 2 verses 3 through 5. Number next, there are several women that I would have never had personal Bible studies with. And some of those women were baptized into Christ. Now, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. What I'm saying this to do is hopefully to glorify my father who had the wisdom to make men our preachers and teachers in our congregations. 
I was the one, usually, who had the time after services to scan for visitors, to go up to visitors and maybe offer a loaf of bread or maybe say, do you want to have lunch with us? Or maybe to say, would you like to study the Bible with me? And I can think of times, not because of anything that I did, but because of the power that's in the Word of God where those visitors did engage in Bible study. And it's not that my husband never had a Bible study with people who visited services. He had some of those, though, because while he was busy greeting people at the back of the building or taking a question that someone might have had from the sermon, or sometimes even spending time with old sister so-and-so, who always had a qualm with the lesson that he taught and always seemed to think that she was the only one who, who really needed any of my husband's time. Lots of times my husband would end up being cornered in the corner of some church building somewhere with someone who wanted to talk about one of the points from his lessons while all the visitors got out another entrance. Well, I just want to say that I feel like, and you do too if you're a preacher's wife, I feel like that that work of going to visitors, especially those moms who had brought children into my children's Bible classes for the first time ever, they, they weren't so interested in talking to my husband about the sermon, but they might have been interested in making a little friendship with between their child and my preschooler or kindergartner. And many times those little friendships were formed and and often Bible studies occurred. And I can I'm thinking of three at least four baptisms that occurred throughout the years of our working together in local work that were just because I had this liberty after the services to go to a visitor and say, would you like to study with me? When it was a woman and when Glenn did not have that liberty because he was tied up because he was the preacher. And I'm not saying, I don't want you to, to leave this little dig a bit and think, oh, Cindy Colley thinks she's so important or Cindy Colley thinks the preacher is somebody up on a pedestal, that he's the important one after services that everybody's clamoring with. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is our God was wise in putting our husbands in that leadership role where they were addressing the congregation for more reasons and some of them smaller reasons than we may have given a lot of thought to. Number next, I wouldn't have this picture that I just went and took down off of my hallway wall. I probably wouldn't have it if I'd been a preacher. It was hand done by my daughter who went back to one of the states in which we had lived when she was a baby all the way up until she turned five years old. She went and took a picture of the front of that house and then she went close up on the porch and took a picture of the number that was tacked on the bricks there. And my husband put this number there when we lived there. And the number is 203. So there are two pictures in this frame behind a mat. And at the top on the mat, 
a white mat, she wrote, the most important lessons I've learned in life. And then below the picture of the house, dot, 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 were ones you taught me in this house. And then at the bottom, thank you for all you did for me then and always. I love you most of all. Then she put some passages on the side of the mat, Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 7, and Proverbs 31, verse 28. You probably have something like that from your children. And I'm not saying that all the lessons I taught her were great ones. I'm not saying that I did everything right. I'm not saying that she does everything right. I'm not saying any of those accolades that you might can be thinking of because every for every accolade I think of, I think of about 10 wrong things that I did. <laughs> but what I am saying is that this house would not have been what she thought of when she thought of things I taught her. She would have thought mom was always pretty busy because she was teaching everybody else. Now, I, I think we need to be teachers. I think we need to be Titus 2 teachers. And that means that we are busy teaching our children and that we are busy teaching other women. I think that we, especially those of us who are older, have some qualifications that we better be trying to meet in Titus chapter 2, verse 3. And I think we have an audience of people that we better be trying to teach. We do that with humility, and we do that with um, not any false impressions of ourselves that we know all of the answers, but we know that we serve a God who does, and we glorify Him before younger women. I want to say that, you know, I wouldn't be taking this down off my wall, I think. And you wouldn't be, older women who are listening, you wouldn't be thinking about particular situations in your house that created quality time if it were not the fact that you had a lot of quantity, that you had quantity. It's a kind of a double... Um, I, that was too much to say there. That was a superfluous wording there when you say a lot of quantity time because quantity is a lot. And if you don't have a lot of time, then you're going to have very little quality time with your children. What I want to say is God knew what he was doing when he let our husbands who study the word and have talent be the preacher's the deacons, the elders, because he gave us this amazing responsibility to detail in our homes and with eternal souls that will grow up and influence people. You know, my son is now a gospel preacher and he preaches the word before a pretty large audience every single Sunday. I don't take credit for that. Oh, God is the one who has been so good to him, who has blessed him with a mind and with talent and with his word and with a chance to study his word, with a wife who's very supportive of him. But I do want to say this, that your work in the first five years of your children's lives, in the first 
20 years of your children's lives, but particularly in those early years, is so much more sustainable throughout their lives than any work that you could have done in any public proclamation of the gospel. Next time, five more things. Five more really practical things in my life that I can think of that make me just know that God had practical reasons for giving us the prohibitions in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians 14. I hope you have a great day. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.